Bible Treasures Topic 5 Worship Welcome to the Sound Doctrine Telecast. There are those who ask why a program exclusively for doctrine? Why not use the time for preaching the simple gospel? Beloved, do you know that another name for the gospel is the doctrine of God, our Savior? Will you please turn with us to the book of Titus, second chapter, and look at verse 10. We'll read the last portion of the beautiful words. That they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. In other words, doctrinal study for a Christian is not an optional subject. It must be his major. Unless there is sound doctrinal teaching, the gospel we preach will be adulterated. And ultimately, it will become another gospel. How do we say that doctrine is basic for Christian belief and behavior? Will you please turn for some scripture passages, first of all, to 2 Timothy, 3rd chapter and 16th words. Here we have the fourfold benefit of the scripture. Now, first one is doctrine. Next is reproof. The third one is correction. And the fourth one is instruction in righteousness. Did you notice something of this fourfold benefit of the Bible? The first one is doctrine. Now please come with us to the second chapter of Acts where we have the early church born. On that day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls were added to the church. And what happened immediately after this great addition? Look at verses 41 and 42. Those who gladly received his word were baptized. That day about 3,000 souls were added to them. They continued steadfastly, number one, in the apostles' doctrine, number two, in fellowship, number three, in breaking of bread, and finally, in prayers. Now, all these things are very important for church growth. All these things are fundamental for the maturing of believers. But did you again notice something here? That which comes first among these four exercises is doctrine. Now this was at the top of the mind and the agenda of the apostles, whether they addressed congregations or they were counseling individuals. For example, there was a young man by name Timothy. He was a trainee or a probationary under Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul wrote to him two letters. So many admonitions and exhortations. But if you look at this first chapter of the first epistle, the very first exhortation was to do with the doctrine. The first two verses he gave the formal greetings. Then he says, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So you find that doctrinal teaching was foundational in the apostolic behavior and their faith in all their practices. 
Yes, beloved, this is the background with which we bring you this telecast week after week. Thank you for your understanding, for your prayers and for your support. From last week, we are studying the subject of Christian worship. We have the topic before us, how not to worship. Last week, we considered lesson number one. Do not worship for personal enjoyment. Today, we move on to lesson number two. Do not sacrifice the scriptures for the spirit. Once again, how not to worship? Do not sacrifice the scriptures for the spirit. If you study the Old Testament, if you observe the Jewish worship, it was essentially ceremonial in nature. But the death of Christ rang the death bell for all ceremonial worship. How do I say that? When Christ gave up his spirit on Calvary's cross, you know what happened? Hail in the temple was torn from top to bottom. It's no more holy place versus most holy place. No more ceremonial worship. Also in this change from the old ceremonial way of worship to the spiritual form of worship, you know what Jesus said? Please turn with us to John's Gospel, 4th chapter. Where we have Jesus Christ speaking with a Samaritan woman. And she was talking about ceremonial worship. And she was talking about worshipping in a particular mountain. And what did Jesus say? Look at verse 24. God is spirit. Jesus said God must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. Now we have picked up the spirit part of it, but we have neglected the truth part of it. But once you leave out one aspect of worship which Jesus emphasized, there comes a total imbalance. In other words, according to the words of Jesus, our worship should not only be spiritual, it also must be scriptural. And what is the truth? You will remember what the Lord Jesus Christ prayed to his father in that high priestly prayer. He told the father, your word is truth. Jesus said, worship God in spirit and in truth. It means we must worship with the help of the Holy Spirit and at the same time according to the scriptures. When we worship God in spirit, there is so much of inspiration. When we worship God according to the scriptures, it is packed with scriptural information. Inspiration alone is not sufficient. We also must have information. Example, if you look at verse 22, just before Jesus made this statement, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. Jesus was saying that our worship is packed with information. We know what we worship. Now this knowledge primarily, beloved, comes from the word of God. 
Please turn with us to John's Gospel, 5th chapter, verse 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Now we normally stop there. Jesus added another sentence, These are they which testify of me. In other words, the theme and the substance and the central purpose of all the scriptures is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now if you turn with us to Luke's Gospel 24th chapter, we meet the Lord Jesus Christ as he was talking to the two disciples who are going to Emmaus. This was after his resurrection. Look at verse 27 of Luke 24. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. In other words, all the prophets and all the scriptures speak about Christ. If you begin with the Bible, the book of Genesis, we meet Jesus Christ as the seed of the woman. When you come to the book of Exodus, there we see Christ as the Paschal Lamb. And when you come to the book of Leviticus, we see him as the high priest. And when you come to the book of Numbers, we have Christ there pictured as the smitten rock. And when you come to the fifth book, even the book of Deuteronomy, there we see Christ as the teacher from God. And when you come through all the prophets, we find that he is presented as the Prince of Peace. And when you come to the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, he is the King of Jews. When you come to the book of Mark, servant of Jehovah. When you come to the book of Luke, he is the Son of Man. When you come to the book of John, he is the Son of God. In the book of Acts, he is the Lord of the harvest. And you go through all the epistles, he is the Lord of the church. When you come to the book of Revelation, he is the Lord of the nation. Yes, beloved, as you study the Bible, search out in the Bible for various names given to our God. And meditate on each of them. And for each day, you pick up one name and expand it for your worship. That way, your worship will become rich and rapturous. I often recommend that people worship God with an open Bible. Keep a worship notebook by your side when you study the Bible. And then whenever you come across one particular characteristic of God, you write it down in a worship notebook so that you would use that particular character of God in your worship next time. That way, that is perhaps the best way to avoid vain and unnecessary repetition. Beloved, the neglect of the scriptures invariably makes worship absolutely worthless. Turn with us for a condition that existed in the time of Jesus among the ceremonial worshippers. Turn with us to Matthew's Gospel, 15th chapter. Read verses 8 and 9. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. 
vain they worship me. Why does God say that their worship is vain? Teaching us doctrines, the commandments of man. In other words, instead of the word of God, there was more of the tradition and the concepts of man. If you look at verse 3, you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition. In other words, traditions replace truth. When we don't have our worship filled with the scriptures, we are filled with our own concepts and our own ideas and our own ways and our own thoughts. But only when the word of God is given a due place in our worship, our worship becomes fragrant before God. Turn with us how this word and worship are beautifully connected in Psalm 138. And look at the second words. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. Because you have magnified your word above all your name. Beloved, it is only when the word of God is given its due place, worship becomes acceptable and glorious. We would like to turn your attention to another passage in book of Psalm 33rd chapter. Read from verse 2 and 4. Praise the Lord with a heart, make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Verse 4. Because the word of the Lord is right. You know what has happened today? Once upon a time, there was too little worship and too much of preaching. Today, the time that must be given for the meditation and exposition of the word of God is uh, taken away by non-stop worship and praise. But if you turn with us to the book of Nehemiah, which was a time of revival and restoration, you know how they were restoring whatever was lost in their spiritual life? Nehemiah 9th chapter, the third words. They stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. For another fourth they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. In this time of revival and restoration, the time was equally distributed between word meditation and worship. Somebody may say, brother, only when we have lots of worship, that will become a good preparation for us to receive the word of God. But I want to tell you, only when the heart is filled with the word of God, worship becomes meaningful and acceptable. The book of Colossians, third chapter. Look at the 16th words. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You know, when the word of Christ dwells in us richly in all wisdom, how will it manifest? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing in our hearts unto the Lord. It doesn't say that you casually read the word, but it says, let the word of the Lord dwell in you richly, abundantly, overwhelmingly. You know, such a worship will not only glorify God, others who are hearing that worship, they also will be edified. That's what we read about in that vision of Isaiah. There were seraphim. What did they do? 
as they were singing unto the Lord and as they were celebrating the holiness of the Lord, they were mutually edified. Beloved, only when our hearts are filled with the word of God, worship becomes meaningful, which means it will glorify God and edify our fellow worshippers. How not to worship? Do not sacrifice the scriptures for the spirit. Read the Bible, meditate the Bible as much as possible. Become full of the scriptures and then burst forth into worship of the God of the scripture. Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for these revelations that we have from your Holy Word. Thank you for the call that has come to us today that we should worship you not only in spirit but also in truth. Help us, for God, to maintain this scriptural balance in all of our worship exercises. Pray for all these viewers, for God, wherever they need to make some correction, help them, O God, to correct themselves according to the teaching of the Bible without any hesitation. Thank you, Lord. We bless you in holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.